Chapter 7 of The Martyrs of Science. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Martyrs of Science by David Brewster. Life of Tycho Brahe. Chapter 1 Tycho's Birth, Family, and Education. An eclipse of the sun turns his attention to astronomy. Studies law at Leipzig. But pursues astronomy by stealth. His uncle's death. He returns to Copenhagen and resumes his observations. Revisits Germany. Fights a duel and loses his nose. Visits Augsburg and meets Heinzel, who assists him in making large quadrant. Revisits Denmark and is warmly received by the king. He settles at his uncle's castle in Herzfold. His observatory and laboratory discovers the new star in Cassiopeia. Account of this remarkable body. Tycho's marriage with a peasant girl, which irritates his friends. His lectures on astronomy. He visits the prince of Hesse. Attends the coronation of the emperor Rudolf at Ratisbon. He returns to Denmark. Among the distinguished men who were destined to revive the sciences and to establish the true system of the universe, Tycho Brahe holds a conspicuous place. He was born on the 14th December 1546 at Knudstrot, the estate of his ancestors, which is situated near Helsingborg in Scania, and was the eldest son and the second child of a family of five sons and five daughters. His father, Ottobra, who was descended from a noble Swedish family, was in such straitened circumstances that he resolves to educate his sons for the military profession. But Tycho seems to have disliked the choice that was made for him, and his next brother, Steno, who appears to have had similar feeling, exchanges sport for a more peaceful occupation of privy councillor to the king. The rest of his brothers, though of senatorial rank, do not seem to have extended the renown of their family. But their younger sister, Sophia, is represented as an accomplished mathematician and is said to have devoted her mind to astronomy as well as to astrological reveries of the age. George Bra, the brother of Otto, having no children of his own, resolved to adopt and educate one of his nephews. On the birth of Tycho, accordingly, he was desirous of having him placed under his wife's care, but his parents could not be prevailed upon to part with their child till after the birth of Steno, their second son. Having then instructed in reading and writing under proper masters, Tycho began to study Latin in his seventh year, and in opposition to his father's views, he prosecuted it for five years under private teachers, from whom he received also occasional instruction in poetry and the Bella letters. In April 1559, about three years after his father's death, Tycho was sent to University of Copenhagen to study rhetoric and philosophy with the view of preparing for the study of law and qualifying himself for some of those political offices which his rank entitled him to expect. In this situation, he contracted no fondness for any particular study. But after he had been sixteen months at college, an event occurred which directed all the powers of his mind to the science of astronomy. The attention of the public had been long fixed on a great eclipse of the sun, 
which was to happen on the twenty first of august fifteen sixty and in those days a phenomenon of this kind was linked with destinies of the nation as well as of individuals the interest which it excited was as intense as it is general tycho watched its arrival with peculiar anxiety he read the astrological diaries of the day in which its phases and its consequences were described and when he saw the sun darkened at the very moment that it had been predicted and to the very extent that it had been delineated he resolved to make himself master of a science which was capable of predicting future events and especially that branch of it which connected these events with the fortunes and destinies of man with this view he purchased the tabulae virginis calculated by john stadius and began with ardour the study of the planetary motions when tycho had completed his course at copenhagen he was sent in february fifteen sixty two under the charge of a tutor to study jurisprudence at leswick astronomy however engrossed all his thoughts and he had no sooner escaped from the daily surveillance of his master than he rushed with headlong impetuosity into his favourite pursuits with his pocket-money he purchased astronomical books which he read in secret and by means of a celestial globe the size of his fist he made himself acquainted with stars and followed them night after night through the heavens when sleep had lulled the vigilance of his preceptor by means of ephemerides of stadius he learned to distinguish the planets and to trace them through their direct and retrograde movements and having obtained the alphosin and plutonic tables and compared his calculations and observations with those of stadius he observed great difference in the results and from that moment he seems to have conceived the design of devoting his life to the accurate construction of tables which he justly regarded as the basis of astronomy with this view he applied himself secretly to the study of arithmetic and geometry and without the assistance of a master he acquired that mathematical knowledge which enabled him to realize these early aspirations his ardour for astronomy was still farther inflamed and the resolution which it inspired still farther strengthened by the great conjunction of jupiter and saturn which took place in august fifteen sixty three the calculated time of this phenomenon differed considerably from the true time which was observed and in determining the instant of conjunction tycho felt in the strongest manner the imperfection of these instruments which he used for this purpose he employed a sort of compass one leg of which was directed to one planet and the second to the other planet or fixed star and by measuring the angular opening between them he determined the distance of the two celestial bodies by this rude contrivance he found that alphonse and tables erred a whole month in the time of conjunction while the copernican ones were at least several days in error to this celebrated conjunction tycho ascribed the great plague which in subsequent years desolated europe because it took place in the beginning of leo and not far from the nebulous stars of cancer two of the zodiacal signs which are reckoned by ptolemy suffocating and pestilent there dwelt at this time at leipzig an ingenious artisan named sculptetus who was employed by homilius the professor of mathematics in that city to assist him in the construction of his instruments having become acquainted with this young man tycho put into his hand a wooden radius such as was recommended by gem of Rhesius, for the purpose of having it divided in the manner adopted by homilius 
and with this improved instrument he made a great number of astronomical observations out of his window without ever exciting the suspicions of his tutor having spent three years at leipzig he was about to make the tour of germany when in the consequence of his uncle's death he was summoned to his native country to inherit the fortune which had been left him he accordingly quitted leipzig about the middle of may fifteen sixty five and having arranged his domestic concerns in denmark he continued his astronomical observations with the radius constructed for him by sculptors the ardour with which he pursued his studies gave great umbrage to his friends as well as to his relations he was reproached for having abandoned the profession of the law these astronomical observations were ridiculed as not only useless but degrading and among his numerous connections his maternal uncle stenobile was the only one who applauded him for following the bent of his genius under these uncomfortable circumstances he resolved to quit his country and pay a visit to the most interesting cities of germany at Wittenberg, where he arrived in april fifteen sixty six he resumed his astronomical observations but in consequence of the plague having broken out in that city he removed to rostock in the following autumn where an accident occurred which had nearly deprived him of his life on the tenth of december he was invited to a wedding feast and among other guests there was present a noble countryman of his own manderupius Pasarbigius. some difference having arisen between them on this occasion they parted with feelings of mutual displeasure on the twenty seventh of the same month they met again at some festive games and having revived their former quarrel they agreed to settle their differences by the sword they accordingly met at seven o'clock in the evening of the twenty ninth and fought in total darkness in this blind combat mandarupius cut off the whole of the front of tycho's nose and it was fortunate for astronomy that his more valuable organs were defended by so faithful an outpost the quarrel which was said to have originated in the difference of opinion respecting their mathematical acquirements terminated here and tycho repaired his loss by cementing upon his face a nose of gold and silver which is said to have formed a good imitation of the original during the years of fifteen sixty seven and fifteen sixty eight tycho continued to reside at rostock with the exception of a few months during which he made a rapid journey into denmark he lived in a house in the college of the jesuits which he had rented on the account of its fitness for celestial observations but though he intended to spend the winter under its roof he had made no arrangement respecting his future life leaving it as he said in the hands of the providence a desire however to visit the south of germany induced him to quit rostock and having crossed danube he paid a visit to augsburg upon entering the ancient city tycho was particularly struck with the grandeur of its fortifications the splendour of its private houses and the beauty of its fountains and after a short residence within its walls he was still more delighted with the industry of the people the refinement of the higher classes and the love of literature and science which was cherished by its wealthy citizens among the interesting acquaintances which he formed at augsburg were two brothers john and paul heinzel the one a september and the other a council or bourgeois master they were both distinguished by their learning and both of them particularly paul were ardent lovers of astronomy tycho had hitherto no 
other astronomical instrument than the coarse radius which was made for him by Sculptetus, and he waited only for a proper occasion to have a larger and better instrument constructed for his use having now the command of workmen who could execute his plans he conceived the bold design of making a divided instrument which should distinctly exhibit single minutes of a degree while he was transferring the first rude conception of his instrument to paper paul heinzel entered his study and was so struck with the grandeur of the plan that he instantly undertook to have it executed at his own expense the projected instrument was a quadrant of fourteen cubits radius and tycho and his friend entered upon its construction with that intense ardour which is ever crowned with success in the village of jejinga about a mile to the south of the city paul heinzel had a country house the garden of which was chosen as the spot where the quadrant was to be fixed the best artists in augsburg clockmakers dwellers smiths and carpenters were engaged to execute the work and from the zeal which so novel an instrument inspired the quadrant was completed in less than a month its size was so great that twenty men could with difficulty transport it to its place of fixture the two principal rectangular radii were beams of oak the arch which lay between the extremities was made of solid wood of a particular kind and the whole was bound together by twelve beams it received additional strength from several iron bands and the arch was covered with plates of brass for the purpose of receiving the five thousand four hundred divisions into which it was to be subdivided a large and a strong pillar of oak shod with iron was driven into the ground and kept in its place by solid mason work to this pillar the quadrant was fixed in a vertical plane and the steps were prepared to elevate the observer when the stars of low altitude required his attention as the instrument could not be conveniently covered with the roof it was protected from weather by a covering made of skins but notwithstanding this and other precautions it was broken to pieces by a violent storm after having remained uninjured for a space of five years as this quadrant was fitted only to determine the altitudes of the celestial bodies tycho constructed a large sextant for the purpose of measuring their distances it consisted of two radii which opened and shut round the centre and which was nearly four cubits long and also two arches one of which was graduated while the other served to keep the radii in the same place after the radii had been opened or shut till they nearly comprehended the angle between the stars to be observed the adjustment was completed by means of a very fine tangent screw with this instrument tycho made many excellent observations during his stay at augsburg he began also construction of a wooden globe about six feet in diameter its outer surface was turned with great accuracy into spear and kept from warping by interior bars of wood supported at its centre after receiving a visit from the celebrated peter ramus who subsequently fell a victim at the massacre of st Bartholomew, tycho left augsburg having received a promise from his friend heinzel that he would communicate to him the observations made with this large quadrant and with the sextant which he had given him in a present he paid a visit to philip appian in passing through ingolstadt and returned to his native country about the end of fifteen seventy one the fame which he had acquired as an astronomer procured for him a warmer reception than that which he had formerly experienced the king invited him to court and his friends and admirers loaded him with kindness his uncle stenobile who now lived at the ancient town of heritswold 
and who had always taken a deep interest in the scientific career of his nephew not only invited him to his house but assigned to him for an observatory the part of which was best adapted for that purpose tycho cheerfully accepted of this liberal offer the immediate proximity of herodsfold to knudstorp rendered this arrangement peculiarly convenient and in the house of his uncle he experienced all that kindness and consideration which natural affection and a love of science combined to cherish when steno learned that the study of chemistry was one of the pursuits of his nephew he granted him a spacious house a few yards distant from the convent for his laboratory tycho lost no time in fitting up his observatory and providing his furnaces and regarding gold and silver and other metals as stars of the earth he used to represent his two opposite pursuits as forming only one science namely celestial and terrestrial astronomy in the hopes of enriching himself by pursuits of alchemy tycho devoted most of his attention to those satellites of gold and silver which now constituted his own system and which disturbed by their powerful action the hitherto uniform moments of their primary his affections were ever turning to germany where astronomers of kindred views and artists of surpassing talent were to be found in almost every city the want of money alone prevented him from realizing his wishes and it was in the hope of attaining the means of travelling that he in a great measure forsook his sextants for his crucibles in order however that he might have one good instrument in his observatory he constructed a sextant similar to but somewhat larger than that which he had presented to heinzel its limb was made of solid brass and was exquisitely divided into single minutes of degree its radius was strengthened with plates of brass and the apparatus for opening and shutting them was made with great accuracy the possession of this instrument was peculiarly fortunate for tycho for an event now occurred which roused him from his golden visions and directed all his faculties into their earlier and purer current on the eleventh november fifteen seventy two when he was returning to supper from his laboratory the clearness of the sky inspired him with the desire of completing some particular observations on looking up to the starry firmament he was surprised to see an extraordinary light in the constellation of cassiopeia which was then above his head he felt confident that he had never before observed such a star in that constellation and distrusting the evidence of his own senses he called out the servants and the peasants and having received their testimony that it was a huge star such as they had never seen before he was satisfied of the correctness of his own vision regarding it as a new and unusual phenomenon he hastened to his observatory adjusted his sextant and measured its distance from the nearest stars in cassiopeia he noted also its form its magnitude its light and its colour and he waited with great anxiety for the next night that he might determine the important point whether it was a fixed star or a body within or near to our own system for several years tycho had been in great practice of calculating at the beginning of each year a sort of almanac for his own use and in this he inserted all the observations which he had made on the new star and the conclusion which he had drawn from them having gone to copenhagen in the course of ensuing spring he showed his manuscript to john pretinius a professor in whose house he was always hospitably received charles danzus the french ambassador and a person of great learning having heard of tycho's arrival invited himself to dine with him at the house of patinus 
the conversation soon turned upon the new star and tycho found his companion very sceptical about its existence Tansuis was particularly jocular on the subject and attacked the danes for their inattention to so important a science as astronomy tycho received this lecture in good temper and with anxious expectation that a clear sky would enable him to give a practical refutation of the attack which was made upon his country the night turned out serene and the whole party saw with astonishment the new star under the most favourable circumstances pratensis conceived that it was similar to one observed by hippocarpus and urged tycho to publish the observations which he had made upon it tycho refused to accede to this request on the pretext that his work was not sufficiently perfect but the true reason as he afterwards acknowledged was that he considered it would be a disgrace for a nobleman either to study such subjects or to communicate them to the public this absurd notion was with some difficulty overcome and through the earnest entreaties and assistances of pratensis his work on the new star was published in fifteen seventy three this remarkable body presents to us one of the most interesting phenomena in astronomy the date of its first appearance was not been exactly ascertained tycho saw it on eleventh of november but cornelius gemma had seen it on ninth paul heinzel saw it on seventh of august augustburg and wolfgangus clurus observed it in wittemberg on the sixth tycho conjectures that it was first seen on fifth and hierinomius muncius asserts that at valencia in spain it was not seen on the second when he was showing that part of the heavens to his pupils this singular star continued to be seen during sixteen months and did not disappear till the march fifteen seventy four in its appearance it was exactly like a star having none of the distinct marks of a comet it twinkled strongly and grew larger than lyra or sirius or any other fixed star it seemed to be somewhat larger than jupiter when he was nearest the earth and rivalled the venus in her great brightness in the first month of its appearance it was less than jupiter in the second it equalled him in the third it surpassed him in the splendour in the fourth it was equal to sirius in the fifth to lyra in the sixth and seventh to stars of second magnitude in the eighth ninth and tenth to the stars of third magnitude in the eleventh twelfth and thirteenth to the stars of fourth magnitude in the fourteenth and fifteenth to the stars of fifth magnitude and in the sixteenth month to the stars of sixth magnitude after this it became so small that it at last disappeared its colour changed also with its size at first it was white and bright and in the third month it began to become yellowish in the fifth it became reddish like aldebaran and in the seventh and eighth it became bluish like the saturn growing afterwards duller and duller its place in the heavens was invariable its longitude was in the sixth degree and fifty-fourth minute of taurus and its latitude fifty-three degree forty-five minutes north its right ascension was zero degree twenty-six two-fifth minute and its declination sixty-one degree forty-six three-fourth minute it had no parallax and was unquestionably situated in the region of the fixed stars after tycho had published his book he proposed to travel into germany and italy but he was seized with a fever and he had no sooner recovered from it than he became involved in a love affair which frustrated all his schemes although tycho was afraid of casting a stain upon his nobility by publishing his observations on the new star yet he did not scruple to debase his lineage 
were marrying a peasant girl of the village of Nordstorp. This event took place in 1573, and in 1574 his wife gave birth to his daughter, Magdalene. Tycho's noble relations were deeply offended at his imprudent step, and so far did the mutual animosity of the parties extend that the king himself was obliged to effect a reconciliation. The fame of our author as an astronomer and mathematician was now so high that several young Danish nobles requested him to deliver a course of lectures upon these interesting subjects. This application was seconded by Partenses, Danzus, and all his best friends. But their solicitations were vain. The king at last made the request in a way which ensured its being granted, and Tycho delivered a course of lectures in which he not only gave the full view of science of astronomy, but defended and explained the reveries of astrology. Having finished his lectures and arranged his domestic affairs, he set out on his projected journey about the beginning of the spring of 1575, leaving behind him his wife and daughter till he should fix upon a place of permanent residence. The first town which he visited was Hesse Castle, the residence of William, Langrave of Hesse, whose patronage of astronomy and whose skill in making celestial observations have immortalized his name. Here Tycho spent eight or ten delightful days, during which the two astronomers were occupied, one half of the day in scientific conversation, and the other half in astronomical observations. And he would have prolonged a visit which gave him so much pleasure, had not the death of one of the Langrave's daughter interrupted their labours. Passing through Frankfurt, Tycho went to Switzerland, and after visiting many cities on his way, he fixed upon Basel as the place of residence, not only from his centrical position, but from the solubility of the air and the cheapness of the living. From Switzerland he went to Venice, and returning through Germany, he came to Ratisbon at the time of the Congress, which had been called together on the 1st of November for the coronation of the Emperor Rudolph. On this occasion he met with several distinguished individuals who were not only skilled in astronomy, but who were among its warmest patrons. From Ratisbon he passed to Saalfeld, and thence to Wittenburg, where he saw the parallactic instruments and the wooden quadrant which had been used by John Pratensis in determining the latitude of the city and measuring the altitudes of the new star. Tycho was now impatient from home, and he lost no time in returning to Denmark, where the events were awaiting him which frustrated all his schemes by placing him in the most favourable situation for promoting his own happiness and advancing the interests of astronomy. End of chapter 7 Read by Lambda